Cheers Cast is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Okay, I'm going to need the best of everything. The best food, the best liquor. The best bartenders. You? <laughs> Good one, Sam. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and joining me to discuss the 14th episode of Season 6, a first-time guest on the show, Peter Organ. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Yes. How are things with you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much. Um, as a new guest to the show, you get the same question that everybody gets. How and when did you discover Cheers? Uh, why was it meaningful? And why did you want to do this podcast? Well, I was vaguely aware of its existence, primarily per- because of Kirstie Alley, because I'm a big Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. So I must have watched a couple of episodes at some point just to sort of check it out. But I must admit, I was never a, a great sort of um, sitcom fan, so it wasn't a natural thing for me to watch until we had our first child and he suffered from colic, um, struggled with digesting milk, uh, so was awake for most of the night. Mm. And there was, a, at the time, was the Paramount Channel, which showed all the way through the night, cheers. <laughs> so my way of coping with being awake all night was to watch cheers, and I was hooked. Uh, in quite quick succession, so <laughs> that was my 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 uh, opening to Cheers. Basically, was as having a, a a child that couldn't sleep at night. I, I cannot wish a colicky child on anybody, not my worst no. enemy. But if it resulted in you discovering this che- this show that I love, uh, <laughs> that was very much the silver lining. Yeah, <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, perfect, perfect, very cool. I, I hope your son is doing much better now. Uh, he is at the age of um, 20. How depressed am I now? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Um, okay, well, we are talking about Season 6, Episode 14, And God Created Woodman. A spoof on the title, And God Created Woman. This episode is written by Jeffrey Dutil, directed by John Ratzenberger. That's mm. right, the actor who plays Cliff. Um, he's the first cast member to, to direct an episode of the show. Only he and George went direct episodes, um, and this is actually the first of three episodes that Ratzenberger directs um, during the life of the show. Which I guess uh, goes some way to explaining why he hasn't got such a huge role in this, although quite yes. simply doesn't anyway. But. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah. Um, the original air date was Thursday, January 14th, 1988. When Rebecca is offered the chance to host a cocktail party for the CEO of her company, Sam is offended that she didn't plan to hire him to tend bar. After they all but beg her, Rebecca relents and allows Sam and Woody to work at the party for her corporate peers and superiors. She regrets the decision almost immediately, however, when Sam hits on a rich woman and Woody uses a priceless vase as a trash can. Hoping to clean the vase out before her boss, Mr. Collier, discovers the problem, Rebecca accidentally drops the vase in the kitchen, smashing it to pieces. When Collier finds out it's broken, Woody takes the blame. Instead of firing the lad, Collier is impressed by his honesty and integrity and invites him to the party, demoting Rebecca to the status of waitress. Woody and Collier get drunk and act like kids until Rebecca can't stand the fact that their camaraderie came at her expense. They tell Collier the truth, but he's ready to fire Rebecca until Woody talks him down. 
The next day, Collier comes to Shears sober and not remembering who broke the vase. Rebecca is given the chance to admit the truth, but initially chickens out. To save her job, Sam tells Collier that he broke the priceless artifact. To Rebecca's horror, Collier admires Sam's honesty and integrity, just like he did when he thought Woody broke it. Alrighty. So, Peter, what did you think about this episode? I mean, obviously, it's a wonderful Woody episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, <laughs> he's just such a child, bless him. <laughs> I, I mean, like, without, without tipping the hand, like, the, like it was a toss-up me between Woody and Rebecca on who ends up yeah. getting MVP for this episode because they're both fantastic. But, yeah, Woody has some precious lines on this. Yes, but as, as you say, Rebecca also, as the sort of person who's suffering throughout the entire episode, <laughs> yeah. Kirsty Alley, just the, the looks that she does throughout this episode when, whenever she, uh, you know, somebody else owns up to breaking the vase and, and the look on her face every time is just amazing. <laughs> it's good fun, isn't it? And, and um, I just, I, it's just a weird to compare Woody Harrelson's performance in this to practically everything he's done because uh, he's such a child. <laughs> The, the the strange career path. Um, yeah. It's funny. I, you can almost compare him to a lot of child actors that you think of like mm-hmm. throughout Hollywood history, like kids who get super famous at young ages and then don't know how to grow up in the spotlight or they're taken advantage of by agents, the system, their own family members, and sometimes and you hear horror stories of them being exploited, falling into drugs and other horrible habits, and then having these sort of destructive life cycles after that and maybe like then maybe a redemption arc if they're lucky mm. and you can kind of see Woody Harrelson having a similar career trajectory although it never really went off the rails for him in terms of damaging his career but maybe it's just because like I mean he was already he was a he was an adult when he started but so childlike that you yeah. think of him almost <laughs> as like a boy actor so. yeah uh, but to the episode's credits, um, this is the only episode written by Jeffrey Dutille. Um, he wrote and produced a couple of other shows like Golden Girls, A Different World, Rock, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Saved by the Bell, The College Years. Um, he, just, he worked on a lot of other stuff, but this was the only episode he wrote for Cheers. We start, we start off our teaser. Uh, it's a nice little bit. Carla, still pregnant, um, is, is waiting at the bar, and she happens to catch a glance at something on the newspaper that Rebecca's reading, and then seems like she's going into labor. She starts to scream and moan, oh, no, the baby's coming, the baby's coming, and, and they're getting ready, and Rebecca seems just casually unimpressed by, by Carla's labor pains, and she's like, isn't it weird that the Sixers are in town, and Carla always goes into labor or has these pains when the Celtics have a home game? Um, so it's Carla, great bad acting by Ivy Perlman, isn't it? Of, like of course, of course. Clearly faking it. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. So Sam and Carla have to convince Rebecca that, no, this is genuine uh, labor pains that she's going and she's going to have the baby. And Carla, Rebecca's like, fine, I'll get it, I'll call a cab. And she's like, oh, no, I've already got one wait, waiting for me. And she's like <laughs> dashing up the stairs. And Sam goes, he's like, is there any other seat in the delivery room for me? And she's like, no, no, just me and Eddie. She's like, maybe the next child I have, you can sit yeah. with us. <laughs> Which, let's face it, is fairly, you know, believable. <laughs> of course, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you didn't know better, if you didn't realize these would be the last kids she has on the show. Yeah. After so many already, but... So then once, once the episode begins, Rebecca comes out, and she's like, I, she just got off the phone, and or the call that she got just might be her ticket out of the bar, and the gang explodes into applause, and it's one of those reactions where she's like, okay, I wanted you to be happy for me, but... 
you're a little bit too happy that I'm leaving. And I think, like, as you mentioned, like, Rebecca's facial reactions in this episode are really precious. Because she's just like, all right, don't you want to know what, what the call was about? And they're like, wait, there is more? So she tells them that she has to throw a cocktail party for the CEO of Lillian, is the guy named Daniel T. Collier. Uh, Norm thinks he's talking about the, the wafer king. That's Dave, Donald P. Cooper, and then they get like the guys start getting into this whole thing about cookie wafers and and rich crackers and stuff like that. And it goes off for ages. It, it, yeah, it goes on, and it's one of those things where like Rebecca just has to say, "Shut up, stop talking about that." <laughs> and she says that he's the CEO of Lillian. Norm has this great bit where he's like, "He's like Sam, aren't you ashamed that you sold the, cor- the bar to a corporation called Lillian?" And Rebecca's line is almost my my home run for this one. But she's like, "The the corporation used to be called Drax Chemical Dye and Munitions, <laughs> but they changed it because nobody believed their motto: We care about people." Which is very 1980s, isn't it? <laughs> so much so, so much so. I just love it. That's like a, a really, really deep cut like trivia question I should ask someday is, what was the original yeah. name of the company that was named for? Drax Chemical Dye and Munitions. Like the worst, the worst possible things you could sell. That's what they're <laughs> part of. Um, Rebecca starts making a list. She's going to need the best food, the best liquor. And Sam is like, how about the best bartender? And she she laughs to herself at the suggestion. And then a beat later, Woody starts to laugh too. Because he's yeah. like, good one, Sam. And like, well, he didn't get it, but he just wanted to be polite. Yeah, yeah he's sweet. <laughs> so, um, and here we get our director. As you mentioned, Cliff comes in for the one subplot of this episode uh, that I didn't even mention in the in the summary. But Cliff comes in singing a song about having new shiny shoes, and he's like, "Hey guys, did you notice anything different?" And like Fraser and Norm just like roll their eyes, and Norm's like, "All right, did you happen to get new shoes, Cliffy?" So Cliff is now doing this thing where he's like selling mail order shoes from some guy that like in uh, uh, who's got a cobbler in Missouri. He says, and he convinces Norman Fraser and the rest of like the tertiary barflies to buy some of these shoes. And what he's a like, cobbler oh. from a cobbler from Missouri who pours his heart into every soul. <laughs> every soul. Such like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> a good one. And Woody goes, this reminds me of my dad. And Fraser's like, oh, did you buy mail-order shoes? And Woody goes, nope, he was always getting taken in by some huckster. <laughs> yeah, which is, again, quite believable. <laughs> right. um, so Sam is still offended that Rebecca doesn't want him, and or by extension Woody, although that's kind of an afterthought for Sam, uh, to work the cocktail party. And he he riles up Woody. He's like, we're a team. you got to be offended by this too. So Woody gets riled up and storms into Rebecca's office, demanding that they be taken seriously as professionals and competent. And what does he say? He's like, you think we're uncouth? Like he like, really <laughs> leans into that word. Like it's something he just learned a few days ago. But Rebecca's answer is just like, no, I need you to work here. And, and Woody is like, takes that face He's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. That makes sense. And let's um, face it, it's not like they've got loads of staff to fall back on. So, again, that's quite believable, too. Clearly, clearly, yeah, yeah. Um, but Sam is like, no, you have to hire us or you don't think – you don't respect us enough. And she's like, fine, fine, you can work in this party. Uh, and, of course, instantly they start behaving like children, like slapping each other, like high five. Like Woody jumps on, on Sam's back and rides him out of her office. He's just like <laughs> – Doing the job with dignity and class. Dignity and class, exactly. <laughs> And she's just rolling her eyes already, like, oh, what have I done? Another great look that she has for the episode. So, cut to uh, the party that she has, and 
I'm wondering, like, the fact that we just have, like, another kind of random CEO that we're not going to see see again, I wonder if they couldn't get Tom Skerritt back to play Evan Drake for this episode. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I imagine maybe it was just, like, a scheduling thing, because he comes back in later episodes, and we've already met him. Um, but, yeah, maybe there was just something where, like, he, he couldn't be on the show again, so they got somebody else. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's the problem with uh, you know engaging an in-demand actor for a regular part. But, right. Yeah, sometimes he's not going to be available, is he? Yeah. Uh, Collier is played by Peter Hansen, who I didn't I didn't even write any examples because he's one of those guys who's just been in hundreds of movies and TV shows. Like you just go to his IMDb page and it's like, oh yeah, that 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 yeah yeah. Yeah, the only thing that jumped out at me was he was in The Lieutenants, which, of course, was a Gene Rodenberry show back in the day. So oh, yeah. So I've got my Trek sense. Okay. <laughs> that, that pinged on your radar, yeah. Yeah. Woody is, like, really impressed by the, the mansion, the place where they're having the party. He's like, this place is even nicer than Wheeler's Funeral Parlor back in Hanover. And of course, he's like, of course, this isn't the that he's like that's not the most fun place to be around. And Sam was like, well, sure, it's a funeral parlor. I bet it's not. And Woody said, no, the funnest, the most fun place is Bob's funeral parlor. <laughs> and this, I guess, is another new set, isn't it? So they're really pushing out the the book yeah. for this season. Yeah, yeah, again, yeah, and uh, we'll and we'll have a second room in the set too later on this yeah. episode. So they definitely were, yeah. Um. Sam takes the opportunity to start flirting with an attractive woman um, uh, who is, I don't think that she's actually named in the episode, but in the credits she's Linda, played by Jude Musketer. Um, and uh, he's, he starts flirting with her, but he's still in his uniform, the tuxedo, like with the odd, the, the gray jacket and everything, so she knows he's a, way, a bartender or a waiter, but he tries to convince her that he is an eccentric millionaire. Yeah, this is not going to stop him, is it? Yeah, right. It's just like this to remind me of my modest beginnings. <laughs> yeah, my modest beginnings, yeah. And Rebecca tells him to get behind the bar. He's like, I pay her to say that. It keeps me <laughs> humble, yeah. Um, and then Woody freaks out, or sorry, Rebecca freaks out because Woody is dumping trash into this very ornate vase, and she's like, that's not a garbage can, it's a priceless work of art. Um, and she mentioned that Collier is a collector, you'd be devastated, so they, she sends Woody into the kitchen with the vase to clean it out, and Sam and Rebecca just hear this crash from the kitchen. And it's one of those things where, like, the, the, the game, like, yeah, records get they're like, oh, God, oh, God, they broke the vase. Woody the look come- on Kirsty Alley's face and the fact that Sam puts his hand over her mouth <laughs> Yeah, he's like, don't, <laughs> don't scream, whatever you do. And then Woody comes back out, peeks his head, still holding the vase. He's like, it's okay, it wasn't a vase, it was just a tray of glasses. And I was like, whew, sigh of relief. Everybody, like, that was a close one, but the, the audience bought it. And then Rebecca takes the vase into the kitchen, and, and Sam and Woody are like, oh, that's okay. And Woody's like, they weren't even that good at glasses. And you hear another crash. And now it's like, <laughs> oh, God, we know this is going to be different because it's Rebecca. And sure enough, she comes out empty-handed, and she dropped and destroyed the vase. And then, oh, man says, like, this isn't the first time that she messed up at the company. And this is, oh, gosh, this precious, like, whatever, like, this is, this was Kirstie Alley's, like, what she brought to the the show that nobody else could do was, like, these crying scenes, like, where she could just, like, where she could be just, like, noticeably crying, but still enunciate every word just enough so you could hear her perfectly clear as she's about to be, like, emotionally wrought and devastated. 
because she says this isn't the first time she messed with the company. She goes, I started off as a junior executive and I'm diligently working my way down to the mailroom with a brief <laughs> stop at that Siberia called Cheers. <laughs> All of this is she's like breaking down and her voice is just like getting higher and squeakier and she's like crying and everything like that. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> this like this is this is a good preview of what the Rebecca we will see much later down the road of the series. Yes, she's a badly broken woman, isn't she? <laughs> yes, but also like the first, like she she's we've we've heard about her being um, mistreated at the company or ignored at the company or misunderstood that they they don't respect her. We've kind of gotten that impression from her. This is kind of the first time or where we, she sort of hints that. She's a she's kind of a joke there, and she's like not a good employee. Like that, like that. She's like really possibly in over her head in this job. So. Yeah, bless her. She's trying so hard, but it, it seems like everything she touches turns to dust, yeah. <laughs> including the bars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So Sam and Woody feel bad for her, genuinely feel bad for her. Although they each wonder if hey, maybe they'll be made manager after yeah. she's fired. There's <laughs> limited amount of sympathy there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it only goes so far. Um, but then Sam, he he decides that he will take the blame. He's like, I'm going to do a nice thing, and, and Woody's like, "Wow, that's the that's the second nicest thing you've ever done." Sam, like, "What well, was the first nicest?" And Woody's like, "When you'd let me drive your Corvette." And Sam's like, "Oh yeah, that was that was good of me." <laughs> yeah. So Sam well, goes into the kitchen to console Rebecca, and while Woody is alone at the bar, that is when Collier comes back. He notices that the vase is gone. He's like, "What happened to it?" And Woody takes the fall. He's like, my name is Woody Boyd. And he's like, by mistake, I broke your vase. And the guy starts freaking out just finally. He's like, do you know how long it took me to get that? Do you know how expensive it was? Do you know what it means to me? And Woody's like, no, I also broke some glasses. <laughs> and and Rebecca comes up, Ben, and, she, and he's like, this boy just t- like just admitted that he broke the vase. And he's like, the only thing that, like... The only thing I feel that more than my rage for the broken is like, is this admiration I feel for him and his whatever his courage and integrity and he's like now like he's like he wants to know Woody better because he's a man of character who would stand up and admit something like that and he takes Woody aside and he's like Rebecca you can fill in for him and he's kind of the opposite of Rebecca really he just falls on his feet despite having messed up. Exactly. <laughs> Works out well for him. Exactly, exactly. And Rebecca's like, why couldn't I have done that? But you also, you know, that, like, that's like the thing that you understood. Like, if Rebecca took the fall for it, if she admitted it, he wouldn't then react that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, he, she's gone. She's out of there. So, um, so as Collier's taking, his, taking Woody away, he's like, you want a drink? And Woody's like, sure. He's like, well, just tell the girl. Of course. It's just so dismissive, so disrespectful to Rebecca. She's just like, and the great thing is Sam laughing behind her back at all this happens. Yes, you caught that. I'm so glad you caught that too, because the whole the whole exchange, Sam is just cracking up and trying to hide it behind their backs. I love that. Um, throughout the party, Sam continues to flirt with the woman. Sam, he's like, and she asks for a Manhattan. He's like, you know, I own a lot of that. And he's, <laughs> And he wants to get out of there, but he's like, he's like, let's go to France or something like that. He's like, he says that his mansion is being repainted, his yacht is in dry dock. He's like, so where could we go? He's like, oh, my chauffeur has a one bedroom apartment downtown. Let's go slumming. <laughs> <laughs> 
So she's like, do you really think this will work? He's like, yeah, because you're a shallow person and so am I. How does he say it? Like, we're both shallow, but we could make a good, uh, an interesting wading pool. Yeah. Um, and she kind of blows him off and everything like that. She's not. But then, like, a few minutes later, after a quick scene with Rebecca, she, the woman comes back and she's like, well, I'm not getting any interesting nibbles at the party. So... Um, he's like, yeah, nibbles are my specialty. So he's like, he's like, it looks like it's actually going to work out for him. And she has like this great double entendre where she's like, what time will you be getting off? And he just smiles at her and just doesn't say a word to that one. Doesn't yeah, he? <laughs> he, she just walks away. But um, the yeah, power then, of Sammy's undiminished. <laughs> yeah, and that's the last time we see her. We see her, but uh, well, I think I think it worked out. So probably um, <laughs> for a night. <laughs> because then we go to like the back room, the game room, or the pool room in the in um, Collier's house. For you're right, another set, a third set now. Um, and Kyle, who Woody calls Pinky, these two oh, guys... Where did that come from? I, I, who, like, yeah, who, who the heck knows? Because Kyle, the last time we saw him was like, you know, the stuck-up executive, and yeah. now he and Woody are drunk, they're acting like children, they're, well, they're acting like, you know... Like, it feels like they got very drunk very quickly. <laughs> very quickly, very quickly. And they're playing games, they're giving each other like wedgies and noogies, all kinds of childish stuff, like poking each other like with the, the pool cues and stuff like that, and and Collier is like, you know, he's like, I, I feel such a kinship for you. He's like, I would like you to meet my granddaughter. And Woody's like, oh, I, I couldn't, sir. And he holds up a picture of her, and Woody's like, yeah, I could. He's like, this is the one icky bit of the episode because it's like, oh, really? He's trying to marry his daughter off to this guy he's just met. Right, of course, of course. <laughs> and he's like, he instantly he's inviting him to the ski trip in Colorado in the morning, and and he's like, yeah, Rebecca won't mind if you're gone and everything. She's like, no, of course not. And then once Collier disappears appears for a minute, Rebecca shows how pissed she is. <laughs> what he's like, I'm the one who should be playing pool. I'm the one who should be smoking cigars and drinking brandy. I'm the one who should be going out with his granddaughter. <laughs> so, she, Woody now realizes how much he upset Rebecca when Kyle comes back. Woody's like, I have, an, I have a confession. Rebecca broke your vase. <laughs> and he says it just that matter-of-factly. <laughs> he's, he's like, boy, I'm glad to get that off my chest. <laughs> He's so sweet. And Collier, of course, doesn't take it the way he took it before. He's like, you let this kid take the blame for you? That was so cowardly. He's like, I'm going to have to rethink your position at at the company. And he's about to fire her, and Woody kind of steps in. He's like, she's a great person. Clumsy, sure, but she has a heart (laughs) of gold. And then it's kind of like he he saves her job and everything like that. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a bit of a crazy scene. Again, like the the tone shifts so quickly with how drunk yeah. they are and how childish they're behaving. Um, but I think to just see again, like the, the humor is mostly just like looking at Rebecca and how miserable she is. <laughs> and I, I think alcohol can explain quite a bit in terms of how idiotic. It oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So back at the bar. Cliff comes back, or you know, some time has passed. It's the next day. Cliff comes back uh, with the shoes that everyone ordered, and the he puts. Uh, and they all have like very specific styles and names for like the type of shoes that they ordered because he's you know giving them to Fraser and Norm and uh, like like uh, Dave and all the other guys like the tertiary bar guys. He's like, who had the Playboy? And Al, <laughs> the very old gentleman, is like, who else? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's the secret weapon, isn't it? That the writers use very sparingly to deliver killer lines. But the fact that he's used in moderation means when he is used, it's brilliant. <laughs> it, it is. It, yeah, the secret weapon is exactly right. Because like, I don't think he ever has like a missed bet. It's always met crushes, so... So Norm gets off the bar, walks around in the shoes because their first impression, everyone's like, these are really comfortable. They look really nice. This is actually a pretty good thing. But Norm starts to walk around and his shoes squeak with every step. And they're very loud, very obnoxious. And he's like, can you make this stop? And Cliff says, that'll go away after a couple of weeks of constant wear. <laughs> so everybody starts walking around the bar and everybody's squeaking and they start like kind of timing it and like jumping and almost making a kind of melody. Until I was... I was watching this yesterday, and I had my, one of our dogs on my lap. Yeah. When she went absolutely nuts with all the squeaking. <laughs> I I can believe it. I believe, it. and just like it just becomes this cacophony, this drone of squeaky shoes until Sam is just like everybody stop. He's like, get back on the bar stools. He's like, just like we need silence. So stop walking around. So and and during all this, with all of like the squeaking and everything, Cliff just kind of runs back into the pool room, just kind of, like, dashes away like he doesn't want to be seen there. Like, there's no, there's no, like, confrontation or, like, real, like, comeuppance. It's just like, yeah, this scheme failed, but I don't know if, like, the writers were just like, we, we don't have enough time for this or, or what, but, yeah, like, I, I don't you know if, like... get back behind the camera to direct the next thing. Yeah, exactly, you had to get back, but it's kind of like Ratzenberger was just like, yeah, I don't have a, a bigger exit in mind. I'm just going to duck out of this way and get back behind the camera, yeah. All the way, all the way through, you're just waiting for the wheels to come off the wagon. Everybody seems quite impressed with their shoes. And, oh, <laughs> yeah. this can't be right. And I, I love Carla. You bought shoes from Boston's Fashion King, Oleg the Weenie. <laughs> 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 you just know something's going to go wrong, and sure enough. <laughs> so Collier comes back in. Like I said, he is now sober and doesn't remember who broke the vase. And Rebecca is like, like this is her chance, this is her opportunity. And then Woody comes in dressed like he's ready for skiing, and like actually pokes pokes Callier with a ski pole and starts like like pulling his shirt out and everything. And, and Callier has no idea who who is this person who's basically assaulting him. And they're like, we don't remember who broke the vase. And he's like, well, and Woody's about to tell him when Rebecca shouts, "Fire, fire!" <laughs> like they're like, everyone has to evacuate. So all squeak, these guys squeak, with their squeak. squeaky shoes that comes back, and I was like, oh, man. Like, that was so close to being my favorite part of the episode. It's just like, <laughs> again, the return of the cacophony of squeaky shoes as they're running to the door. And they're like, no, no, there's no fire. There's no fire. Everybody calm down, calm down. And then, like, all right, everybody goes back to the bar, and you hear the squeaky shoes going back the opposite direction. And this guy, this old CEO, is like, where the hell am I? Who are these people? What's going on? <laughs> and Rebecca now has her second chance to take the, to admit the truth, and she's about to say that she did it. But Sam says, "No, I did it. I took the. I'll, I'll take the bullets." He's like, "I'm I'm sorry, sir. I broke your vase." And Collier's like, "You did," and he gets right in Sam's face, and he's like, "Young man, you have grit." <laughs> and again, the look of disgust and despair on Rebecca's face, and that's what we—that's where we cut when we go to black. And you just hear the voice of her going, "Do you like skiing?" But, but just her look of just like again is like, "You gotta yeah, be freaking kidding me!" Because like it screams, "How is this possible?" <laughs> yeah, how is this gonna happen again? Because like the 
Like, and, and you kind of, again, it's like one of those, the, the hang question, is this blatant sexism, which you could believe that this guy mm-hmm. would treat a man differently than he treats Rebecca if she, because she's a woman, or is it really just Rebecca? I'm sure Rebecca thinks it's just her. And, it's, yeah. and given, given her track record, yeah, maybe it's just her. Put in mouth, yeah. uh, disease strikes again. Overall, um, there are a lot of like really little funny parts. The overall plot isn't as great. Um, like the the scene, the scene with Woody and Collier in the in the pool room it gets a little bit childish and a little bit obnoxious. It's like a little bit too much. Um, and the preview of that with like Sam and Woody in the office is a little bit uh, okay. This is kind of this isn't as as great as it usually is. So I wouldn't say this is one of the best episodes, but there's, again, there's still, like, so many little, like, funny bits and funny gags between Rebecca and Woody in this one. Yeah, and Woody Harrelson really, for me, really pulls it off mm-hmm. with his, his, his childishness, which yeah. just manages to stay on the side of sweet rather than <laughs> annoying for me, so the shit of joy in his face when he's goofing around thinking is <laughs> just, it's a wonder to behold. <laughs> Any other thoughts on this one before we go? No, I, 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 as you said, it's it's not the best episode ever, but it, it's it's got plenty to laugh at, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's good fun. And, and as I say, Woody Harrelson really makes it for me. It's, it's really makes the episode a, a gas to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, for Norm's tab, obviously, because like the we actually don't spend a whole lot of time at the bar comparatively, and and there's just like the little bits with the um with the shoes. So Norm only had two beers in this episode, uh, which takes him up to five hundred and thirty-three for the series. Well, he spent some of his money on the shoes. Uh, <laughs> true, true, true that, yeah. Uh, I, I think for the employee of the week, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've already mentioned that it's going to be Woody for you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Rebecca is a runner-up, but definitely Woody, yeah. <laughs> and and I was so divided, and I could go either way. I think I'm going to split us and go with Rebecca, just uh-huh. because of some of like the facial reactions, the way she's crying when she says the brief stopover at that Siberia called Cheers. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, gosh, Woody is so good in this too. Woody has so many great parts. But so yeah, it, it could have been either one of those. But if you're going Woody, I'll split it and say Rebecca. <laughs> um, what's your favorite part? Your home run? Yeah, I, uh, possibly who, who had the Playboy? That was <laughs> yeah. that reduced me to tears the first time I'd seen it. <laughs> that was good. With a possible run when um, uh, Sam and Sam is trying to hit off with the, the woman, and, and he first sees her, and he says, "Is it me, Woody? Or is that woman gorgeous?" And Woody says, "You look nice, Sam, but I have to go with the woman." <laughs> <laughs> that was good too. Yeah. Um, for me, like I, I kept on like as I was watching it, I was like, "Ooh, I think though, I think that one might be my favorite." As I'm, I'll come back to it. I think that might be my favorite. Like even the bit with the squeaky shoes when she yells "fire," like I really yeah. thought I was like, "Okay, this might be the highlight." But honestly, I think it came down to the very last line. It's like that that the whole punctuated part when Sam takes the blame for it, and he's like, "Young man, you have grit." And Rebecca's <laughs> reaction to it, I'm like, "Yep, that's the perfect end note for this episode." With everything that was set up with with Woody and Rebecca, could have gotten that reaction if she could, if she had just been honest, but she she chickened out, and now Sam is Twice. going to reap the benefit of that. <laughs> yeah. And just so yeah, I just thought that that was the perfect end line for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Peter, thank you so much for being on this episode with me. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, for having of course. You. Um, where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you in this realm? Okay. So I, I mentioned a couple of times I'm a Star Trek fan and I podcast with my wife, Amory, uh, and you can find our Borgcast 
on uh, Libsyn, so it's broadcast.libsyn.com. We, I just realised we've done 11 years, which is a bit scary. Wow. Uh, we've covered various shows over the years. We started out with Next Generation, did Deep Space Nine. We've covered some of the more modern shows as well. Uh, we're currently covering season two of the original series, uh, and then we'll break off to do Strange New Worlds when it's finished airing, because that's a nice uh, time to compare and contrast with. And then we also do another podcast on more general sci-fi stuff, uh, which is uh, galactica.libsyn.com. And we've covered, unsurprisingly, Battlestar Galactica, both types on that. Mm-hmm. And we did Buck Rogers, which, yeah, that was an experience. <laughs> and, uh, and we're currently doing a show called, I don't know if you uh, saw this when it came out, Ulysses 31, which was a joint Japanese-French animation uh, from the 1980s that mm. retold the stories of Odysseus, uh, mm. but with spaceships. I mean, everything obviously is improved by spaceships. Yeah, of course, and, yeah. Uh, and it, it really is, similar to Buck Rogers, it's a massive dollop of 1980s nostalgia, basically. So we're, we're chuckling our way through that. Wow, I'm not familiar with that, but that sounds kind of fun. Oh, YouTube it. Uh, yeah, just put, put Ulysses 31 into YouTube. The, the theme tune is absolutely amazing. It's nice. got one of the best theme mm. tunes ever, so it's worth ca- mm. catching for that. Um, I haven't seen any of uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds yet, but like within within our like my podcast community and all of my friends who who love it, they just rave about this past season. They're like, this is some they're amazing Trek. So yeah, it's it's really recovered like the what Trek ought to be about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in terms of you know, and it it's so nice to watch a show that hasn't got massive arcs built into it, but they do that quite subtly and you get a new adventure every week and, a, and generally a new world every week as well. So yeah, I'm really enjoying that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you again very much for, uh, for being on this episode. I hope I can have you back on in the future. Would love to. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Great. Okay. Uh, and also thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by either liking or sharing on social media or leaving comments on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. This show is patronized by the Right On Network, and Jeff and Rick presents Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcasts to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, squeaky shoes are only a problem if you're a mugger. Cliff, mine are a little squeaky, too. Mine are squeaking, too, Cliff. In E minor. Back on your bar stools. Right now, go on. Hurry up. Thank you.